Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines, where we feature experts and journalists discussing a variety of topics. I'm Terry Lipschitz, a senior producer for Lee and your host. In this latest episode, Haley Colombo, a reporter for Lee Enterprise's public service journalism team, talks about a story she's working on about PFAS, which are frequently referred to as forever chemicals and found in rivers, lakes, and streams. These chemicals make their way into drinking water and have been linked to numerous health problems. We discuss the story, efforts to filter out PFAS, and options people have to reduce exposure. Welcome, Haley, and thank you for joining the program. Thanks for having me. Can you give our listeners a brief history of some of the work you've done as a reporter? Sure. Um, I joined the Lee Enterprises public service journalism team um, last fall. Uh, prior to that, I spent a long time covering um, business-related topics for business journals, including Columbus Business First and the Indianapolis Business Journal, and um, always covered, I guess, public affairs issues with a business lens. Could you give a synopsis of the story that you're working on right now for the public service journalism team? Yeah. So um, we took a look at the uh, EFOS forever chemicals um, and how they impact New York drinking water systems. So um, the U.S. EPA earlier this year released uh, proposed regulations that would apply to the entire country that would cap um, the acceptable levels to um, PFAS chemicals in drinking water. And those chemicals are pretty um, ubiquitous chemicals that have been used for decades in um, manufacturing of things like Teflon pans, nonstick, um, other, I guess, you know, uh, rain, uh, rainproof, uh, waterproof applications. They're in firefighting foam, but basically, um, there are these chemicals that have been um, that have been used in the manufacturing of just like everyday household products and as well as like some other kind of industrial applications, but they've been shown to essentially be human carcinogens. There's been an increasing amount of research that has shown that these chemicals um, contribute to um, you know, kidney uh, and testicular cancer, liver disease, reproductive issues, um, fetal growth issues. So they're pretty harmful chemicals that we unfortunately have been exposed to in products as well as in our drinking water. So we decided to take a look at how PFAS chemicals impact New York drinking water because um, New York was one of the first states to put in um, regulations on these chemicals in drinking water, um, but their rules that they have in place are less stringent than what the EPA is is proposing. So there's a lot of people in New York who kind of live in the gap. Essentially, 
um, where their water is unsafe at the level that, you know, the EPA now says, but they're not getting treatment for these chemicals in their drinking water systems because it doesn't reach New York's standard for what's considered to be too much of these PFAS chemicals. And just to be clear, PFAS are very difficult to avoid, right? I mean, you and I yeah. very likely, if we were to be tested right now, would probably show some level in our bloodstream, correct? Correct. These chemicals are pretty ubiquitous. Um, there's been studies that have shown that they're in pretty much all of our um, of our bodies and they bioaccumulate over time. So that's why it matters that um, if someone is in a really like has a high concentration of these chemicals in their drinking water, it, you know, can add up in their systems over time. And they're known as forever chemicals because they don't leave our system very quickly. They take a long time to leave our system. So that's what makes them dangerous, essentially, is that there's really no way to avoid them. Like, for instance, if you wanted to buy all organic fruits and vegetables or something at the store because, you know, that was you wanted to make that choice for a health reason or something like that, or you didn't want to, you know, have any um, have any soy in any of your food or something like that, you could you could figure that out. You can do that with PFAS. You can't. And um, a lot of drinking water systems across the U.S., don't even test for this yet. Um, New York is actually, at least they, you know, they do already test for this, um, at least two of the main chemicals. So they're, they have this baseline understanding of what is in the water already. But um, essentially, you know, what we're finding is that um, if the EPA rule is going to affect, a lot more drinking water systems will need to remediate that will, you know, affect taxpayers and, you know, anyone who drinks the water, which is, you know, 95% of New Yorkers are rely on public water systems. You mentioned the gap that's there and, and some folks that are kind of caught in the middle here. What's the reasoning behind that? Is it is it water utilities? Are they slow to react? Is it a financial issue? Is it just the science is changing? And as you said, you know, not all places are necessarily testing. So what what exactly is the problem with getting this remedied? It's kind of all of the above. It's all of those things are coming into play. Um, in New York, the they have a maximum contaminant level of 10 parts per trillion for these two main PFAS chemicals. The EPA standard that they're proposing um, nationwide to be the rule is four parts per trillion for these chemicals. And so, as you can imagine, there's a lot of water systems that are, you know, they're somewhere between that. Maybe they've, you know, they've um, tested for six parts per trillion, but um, maybe they only have enough, you know, enough money to kind of do the necessary remediation for chemicals that, you know, that they they have to do something about or the necessary upkeep. A lot of these water systems are kind of trying to keep the lights on in some respects like not all of them have resources to do this kind of you know modern um remediation um the larger there's a lot of larger water systems that have 
you know, um, Monroe County, New York was one that we talked with who they have already installed this technology to remove PFAS, but they have 500,000 people who use their water system. There are water systems that are just, you know, over a dozen people, but they don't really have the funds or the, they're not professionally managed in the same way um, to install this kind of treatment. So for some of these water systems, it's going to take the state laws changing for the people served by them to actually receive treatment because um, they just, you know, they're at this point, that's just, it's not a priority for them. You mentioned uh, the EPA, the federal government, you know, might put into effect rules that would set a higher standard, supersede state regulations. Where do those stand right now um, in that effort? They've been proposed. They are um, getting public comment right now. They want to have the rule finalized by the end of the year, but it wouldn't necessarily mean that it would you know, go into effect at the end of the year. There's likely um, going to be litigation over this rule because um, these are the first drinking water standards um, in quite a long time that the EPA has proposed. And there are, um, there's, you know, extensive pushback from the chemical manufacturing industry and even some others like water suppliers who are kind of saying, you know, whoa, 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 if you put this, um, if you put these rules into place, like that's going to have a major impact on us. So um, it, it's anyone's guess as to when this will actually go into effect. Um, but it's that it's that question that environmentalists have brought up now. It's like, well, we know now that the EPA says this is this should be the standard or this is what's unsafe. And so whether or not this is a rule that's in effect nationally, it just informs, you know, what you think about your own drinking water. If you're drinking water that, you know, say is at six parts per trillion for one or both of these chemicals, um, you're not feeling as good about it as you were maybe um, before these EPA standards came out or this EPA proposed rule came out because you're realizing, whoa, you know, the EPA says that this is too high. So in the meantime, if you're someone that lives in an area that might have elevated levels or un- what would be considered unsafe, does this mean you have to stop drinking the water what what can you do as a as a resident to kind of help take steps on your own? I think it's really tough that residents would be in a situation where they have to kind of make some of these you know decisions on their own because it is hard to know. I mean, if you were a person of um, you know in good health and you have a slightly elevated level um, and you're not you know necessarily predisposed to a bad outcome, do you decide that it's okay? I think that based on some of, you know, the conversations I've had with with scientists, I think that seems reasonable. Although I'm not a doctor, I think that you would have to like talk with your doctor to see if it's a risk um, that would warrant you either putting a water shelter um, on your water or getting, you know, a, a specific kind of, you know, water pitcher that can filter out these PFAS. Just what I would do if I was living in a place that had a high concentration of these PFAS chemicals, I would certainly look into filtering 
the water just to be sure, you know, especially if you are in a sensitive group, if you're immunocompromised, if you are pregnant, or if you are a nursing mom, those are all cases that would warrant, you know, maybe trying to avoid short-term exposure to this. But at the same time, you don't want to like, scare people into doing something that would be even more unsafe, like not drinking any water or something <laughs> like that. Um, I think that the, the answer is to contact your water supplier, ask them what their thoughts are on the levels, contact your, you know, your physicians and ask them about it. And if you want to be, you know, super cautious about it, install some sort of filter if you can afford that. All right, Haley, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk about this. It's a fascinating subject and one that I imagine will remain in the news for some time. Absolutely. Thanks, Terry. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Behind the Headlines. You can find us on every podcast platform, and we'd love it if you could take a moment to subscribe and leave a review. Finally, if you appreciate what we're doing with this program, we encourage you to invest in local journalism by supporting the newspaper in your community. I'm Terry Lipschitz, thanking you so much for listening to Behind the Headlines from Lee Enterprises. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.